The Maker's International Podcast is brought to you by Yorkshire Grit, the Woodturner's Abrasive Paste, Highland Boxes for all of your resin and hybrid pen blanks and knife scales, Mancrafting for amazing customizable powder-coated Yeti mugs, and by Harneal Media for their website development and hosting services. For more information, go to www.makersinternationalpodcast.com and click on Sponsors. Good evening, everybody, um, or good afternoon, or good morning, wherever it is you are listening. Uh, joining me today, uh, as always, Mr. Chris Q. How you doing, guys? Mr. Dal Kirkwood. Wick, he's talking to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're not even we're not even five, five we're not even five seconds five seconds into this thing and the bus has already driven off the road. Come on. What have I Mr. Mr. Jake Thompson. Hello, y'all. And from the YouTube channel uh Wood by Wright, it's Mr. James Wright. Hey. Hey. Good to be here today. Oh god, that's uh, James. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. Uh, he, <laughs> James is our uh, our resident tool expert for, for this evening, so he's able to kind of I keep play us one on the control. YouTube. <laughs> so there, there you go. So um, I, I believe it's Dow who's taking the hot seat for uh, oh, the cues from Mr. Q today. So I'm going to see if. Wait, wait, wait! Come on! I mean, because I understand there's probably very few mice that live under the rocks that don't know who James is. So maybe we should do- delve into. Quickly. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Maybe quickly. We should. About and I'll leave that up to you, Mr. Page, because you're so good at delving. I am. You are right. You are right. <laughs> so, James, um, as I just uh, as I just said on the intro, you 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 do a little, you dabble in YouTube a little bit, and you have done for <laughs> you, you you have done a little bit. So, uh, so where where did the where did the um, where did the let's say uh, the YouTube journey begin for you? Why 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 YouTube and why hand tools? Well, uh, it might surprise a lot of people, but I have uh, I have eleven different YouTube channels. Uh, eleven would by rights just the biggest of them. But my my hobby is whenever I start a hobby, I start a channel to document my hobby. And there are a pile of crazy people out there, almost two hundred thousand now, that actually want to watch a lunatic working with hand tools in a shop. And that's the reason why I would buy rights here today. So <laughs> I was just doing yeah, yeah. fun of it, and other people wanted to watch. So yeah, that's I, awesome. I do, actually, I do remember one of your other channels that you started. I, no, forgive me if I've just dropped you in it, but you was in the process of making a right plane. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That one's on the back burner, but I haven't added a video to that one in a while. But uh, yeah, mm, that, that's there you go. One. You were in the process. <laughs> of, wait a minute, wait, wait. You were in the process of building one of the Wright brothers' planes. Yes, um, I've I've worked on. I haven't actually completed a full airplane, but I've worked on uh, about twenty percent of one and about seventy-five percent of another one. Um, and so it was my goal to make a modern reinterpretation of the Wright brothers' plane. We're talking Kitty Hawk, you know. Yeah, you know. Oh, awesome! Like a awesome. fully functional mm. two-seat airplane, but shaped like the Wright brothers. I thought you were talking about awesome. a right plane, like. Mr. Right hand plane. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you've done there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you make sure that uh, make sure undercarriage is sharp. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, go, cool, mate. 
what what got you into the hand tools then? I mean, it just was it just a little a quick hobby you picked up, and then you stumbled onto something that made uh, like two hundred thousand people go, "I like this guy." <laughs> I mean, I mean, what happened? Well, um, I, I've been woodworking all my life since I was about five years old. Uh, as soon as I could stumble into the shop behind my dad, I, I was I was woodworking, um, and so I made furniture growing up. And uh, when I got married, I bought my own equipment and I was all power tools. Um, I literally had never held a hand plane in my life. Um, I had a set of chisels, but they were, they were, you know, concrete chisels and they were hanging <laughs> on the wall and I never used them. They just happened to come with something else I bought apparently. Um, and so I did that uh, up until about seven years ago and we started moving and we moved from one house to another. And every time we moved, I sold off more tools and we had less space. And I moved into a smaller house and I sold off more tools and, until eventually we got into our last house where I had no space for tools. I sold off everything I had and I said, I guess I'm just done woodworking. Um, but then we moved into this house and there was a small space in the basement, about 10 foot by 10 foot. And I became a stay-at-home dad. And I thought, you know, I'd like to get back into woodworking, but I, I can't do power tools with the kids. I can't do it in the basement in this small space. It just, it wouldn't work out. But then I came across a video of uh, Worth the Effort. Um, he was making a, yeah. Um, yeah. a I think it was a, a tonguing plane. And I saw him making it with no tools at all. And I thought, I can do that. <laughs> so it was a whole new thing of relearning woodworking. But I can do it in my shop where it makes no noise. So I can do it while the kids are napping. I don't have problems with the kids coming in because I don't have a table saw going. I don't have problems with dust in the basement. I can do it in a small space. And it was just kind of this aha moment where I got to reinvent and relearn the joy of woodworking in a whole new light. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. Tr that's truly freaking awesome. And I mean, hey. That's one of the, the fun things about my channel is that it is the complete documentation of everything from literally my first video is here. Look, I just bought this hand plane. Let's restore this. <laughs> uh, that was the very first video I had was my first ever hand plane. So one of the, one of the things I do I do notice about the, the, the your restoration videos is every every everything ends always ends up being blue, is is there a reason is there a reason for that? I like blue, blue makes me happy. <laughs> blue's, blue's my favorite there color. You go. Don't worry about it. Well, James, today what we're talking about is we're talking about the the, the evolution of makers, and you've already talked about your own evolution. Um, you, you unfortunately, we, we were hoping to go from. From the 1800s to today, you went from today to the 1800s. So we're, we're we're talking in reverse of this. We couldn't think of a better person to have on the show to help us transition through this topic today. So, maker evolution is the topic. Dale, I know you've got some questions. I mean, so I mean, yeah, I mean, let's 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 I mean, let's cut straight to the the chase. You know, our our modern hand tools. I mean, let's go backwards, right? Let's let's follow this trend. Okay, you all know, right. Let's go. Go. Our modern our modern hand tools as good as the old ones you know i mean do you do you think i mean how many i mean i guess the question should be prefix you know how many modern hand tools do you have um modern hand tools as in powered mm. hand tools as i bought recently you know a modern oh. hand plane made you know made to look like a modern hand plane um i would say about 10 to 15 maybe 20 percent of my tools are modern made okay. uh, yeah. rest or antiques so I mean, taking that, you know, that's a that's a pretty good sample. So let's let's have a let's have a look at this. So you know, are, are the modern hand tools as good as the old ones? You know, the ones you've restored. That really is a a a, 
a difficult question to ask because when you start talking about best, you start talking about a direction, not a location. Mm. In other words, is this better mm. than this? Well, there are hundreds of different mm. aspects that this could be better than this. This could be better in some or a little more. Every person who holds it is going to have different things that they weight. Um, and I think in general, our modern tools are actually better than the antique. Um, and much to the chagrin of the collectors and the historians and, and people who, well, yes, this feel, there's a lot of mystique to the old tools that make them feel better, that, that there's a connection to that tool that you, you can't get with a new tool because hundreds of other people have held this. I mean, you think about the other makers that have used that plane before I did. There's a history to it. Mm. So there's an, there's an emotional attachment kind of sort of yeah. in a way. Yeah. I mean, if you start talking about actual quality, Mm. A lot of people out there will tell you that we can't make steel like they used to make steel. And that's just total hogwash. Our steel now is light years ahead of anything they had in the past. It is phenomenal in almost every respect. But there's just something about using that old tool that's been around for 100 years. It makes you feel like it's better. Um, but if you actually go and measure the steel and its durability, its functionality, and it, its resilience to sharpening, it, there are in almost every respect it is a far better steel than used to be so we were holding we're holding that point for a bit uh, before we, we go into the, the sort of classical tools and ask some more questions in that space so i mean from those 20 percent of your collection that are modern quote unquote um and taking that you know variable question around good bad best you know how, you know from where from wherever you're standing um do you think there's a, an element of of cheap modern tools and good quality modern tools also sort of influence that sort of view oh yeah yeah and, and if you think about that there used to be cheap antique tools but mm -hmm. the cheap antique tools just didn't last and so we've kind of gotten this this shaker that's only left the good quality ones that have made it to us and so you're, you're looking at the absolute best of what used to be and comparing it to the broad range of what we can get today from harbor freight to lee nielsen mm -hmm. uh, it's a Interesting. That's a viewpoint I'd never taken on board. The the idea that the crap's gone because it was crap, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're throwing hey, out you tools know. in your shop, you're probably throwing out the junk that you bought when you first got started. You replaced it with better yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that just never crossed my mind. That's an interesting point. So I guess let's get into the sort of guts of this then. So. No, I'm not going to go there. I was going to talk, talk about the P word. We'll come back to the P word in a minute. So um, let's talk about hand tools. I mean, so there was a lot. I mean, the hand, hand tool journey is very long and, you know, I mean, from, you know, picking up a bit of stick back in the day kind of thing um, to, to, to all sorts of, you know, stone modern tools and um, stone all the way through to the modern tools. But, I mean, really, is there any sort of hand tools that were, you know, were around not that long ago or even, you know, going back, you know, hundreds of years that have, kind of just gone now i mean the need for them's gone or the the usefulness is gone or you know they've been replaced by a completely different ethos just you know, what's gone there really isn't anything that's gone um there there is a you know the standard evolution of how a tool improves um if you go look at a uh, an, an egyptian saw an egyptian saw looks really similar to a japanese saw mm -hmm. but there is no connection between the two it was just it generated over the, over the years. Now, do sort we have any Egyptian saws left in function anymore? No, but we have other saws that are very similar to them. Okay. Um, and so, if you handed a Japanese saw to an Egyptian, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I can use this." 
it's, it's a big death function. So we there's didn't, a lot of modifications many, that happen over the years, but we didn't we didn't have any pharaohs that were woodworkers. I mean, what's up with that? <laughs> I mean, because you know, like Tutankhamun, come on, dude, you could have picked up a chisel for crying out loud, Jesus. Anyway, um, sorry, Dale. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was I quietly wandered off and had a, had a vision of Wayne the Woodturner helping helping you know Tutankhamun. No, no, you're holding the gouge wrong. Just just for a second, I'd gone off and you know I mean I'd gone off in a, a, a my own little world there for a second. I mean, so so like coming back to that idea kind of thing. I mean, I mean, so you're sort of describing the idea of kind of a convergent evolution or there's, there's kind of really only a couple of really good ways to do this and you know everyone kind of arrives at you know a, a, a chisel looks like a chisel an axe looks like an axe a, a certain type of saw looks like a certain type of saw but i mean sort of you can kind of i mean you sort of things that i think about perhaps there's a craft that no longer exists that's seen their tools gone that you, you, you know you've collected things and restored things for you know is there anything like that that you would specifically sort of jump out at you? There are a lot of tools that are specific to something that's just not made anymore. In other words, like um, uh, old lock mortisers. So it used to be that the lock was a, a rectangular box that slid end, endwise into the edge of the door. And so there'd be a mortiser to cut out that slot for it to fit into. Those have no need, and so no one's ever wanted to reproduce that tool. The few people who need to make that are doing it with historical tools because they're historical reenactment. Um, well, uh, yeah, I did get it. Okay, cool. Um, here's a a um, a hinge mortiser. Okay. Um, it looks like cool. a huge so, scrub plane. Could you describe it for like? Could you describe it for the audio? Yeah, it, folks are listening to the podcast? it looks like a scrub plane, but the mouth in front of it is about two inches from iron to front, and the the iron is flat rather than concave uh, convex. Um, and there's a knob at front and back rather than a tote. Uh, but this was designed for hollowing out the mortise that a, a hinge would fit into. So it's about an eighth inch deep, about three inches long, about an inch and a half yeah. wide. Um, and so it's basically a router, but it's shaped like a plane to do those large, sh uh, shallow routes. Um, and I'm assuming I've never person, seen anyone remake one of these yet. No, but I, no, and I can't see them doing it today either. But I mean, yeah. I'm assuming the person that did did use that and was was cutting that. You know, that basic um, indentation into the wood for the for the for the hinge to fit um, would have been. You're adjusting that blade down all the way because I mean you start out small, then you've got to, you've got to get in there to the the level of the metal they were using back then, and the metal they were using back then wasn't really all that thin, so they must have really oh, had to. Have, yeah, they must have had to really move that uh, that no, blade in um, because the way you do it is you'd mark it out and you'd come in with a chisel and you'd take out most of your material with just, with a chisel really quickly. And then you bring that in for the last shaving or two to take. Oh, it down. so they they would flatten the bottom with that then. Basically. Yeah, it would give you a oh. nice flat space for the hinge to sit perfectly on. Oh, okay. It would it okay. just make that that final cleanup a little faster than going bevel down with a chisel. <laughs> well, so I mean, if what I was going to do is I was going to take that idea that you know that the hand tools that you know that don't really exist, and I was going to kind of turn it on its head a little bit, you know. So what hand tools kind of like i've been i mean we've talked about saws a little bit but you've been ubiquitous you know i mean they've been around from earliest times to to today and are largely the same thing you know well if you really think about it every tool you use in the shop is a chisel a saw yeah. is just a whole bunch of chisels a hammer. Line. Oh, sorry. A circular <laughs> saw. Well, okay. That, that, okay, that brings up a whole another ball of wax. <laughs> um, 
is because in the woodworking world, generally a tool to do the work is something that actually will cut the wood. If it doesn't cut the wood, then it isn't listed in the tools list. So mallets generally weren't. Marking gauges were. Um, and so it was, it was, that's an interesting, interesting mindset. Um, but yeah, I mean, even I didn't like know the that. table saw. I did, I did not know that. Okay, cool. Yeah, if you if you go back and look at a lot of lists, um, it, um, woodworkers would would uh, document all the tools in their shop, and they would list every plane and every saw and every chisel, but they wouldn't list their workbench. So finely calibrated, highly he's accurate. Got, he's got a point. Look at his hammer. <laughs> Jimmy's, Jimmy's holding up a chisel, folks. Thus today's, con today's confusion, yes. Um, I mean, so so coming back to that point, I guess we've gone off into the hammer piece, but particularly if we go back on, uh, if we kind of dance around, I mean, ubiquity kind of thing, things that have been around from early times, saws notwithstanding, that you could look at that tool and it's largely the same shape, it does the same thing that it's always done, you know, from back in the day to now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's probably the, the, the chisel because it's it's the base of everything. Um, I mean, even every tool is a jig to hold a chisel. A table saw is, you know, a hundred chisels in a circular pattern. And the, the rest of the saw is just running those chisels in a circle. Um, and so it, it's kind of one of those things that that's, that's the basic. Um, saws are pretty well standard. I mean, there was a big jump in the 1800s when it moved from being an always a linear movement. Saws were always thought about going back and forth to mm. being a circle. That was a really yeah. big jump. Um, and so when that happened, motion to a circular spinning motion. Yeah, and that, that happened because of the industrial revolution because I have a motor. It's really hard to train a motor into a horizontal movement, but if I can keep it in that circular movement, then hey, the world's your oyster. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Sorry. Good. Um, the, yeah. the my question was simply this, Jim, because I'm thinking, and and the first two things that popped in my head were CNCs and lasers. But is there a power tool today that does not have its roots in a hand tool from yesterday? Because I can, I can, I can think of a lot of power tools today, and I know the origin was actually something different in the past. But I mean, I can't think of a power tool that we used today that didn't have its roots in hand tools. Yeah, I, if depending upon how you connect it, I mean, if you go from a laser, okay, let's go chisel. So we have chisel into a saw. You have a bunch of chisels to cut out a groove. Then right. you have the industrial revolution. We want to move that into a circular saw. So we have all these chisels in a circular blade. Well, then you can go from a circular saw to a router. It's basically a really, really small saw blade, but a very, very wide saw blade, and it can have an odd shape. It's not going um, that way. It's going that way. Yeah, or well, it just depends on how your table's flipped. There's horizontal routers. Um, and then you get the, the jump to a CNC where you have a router that can then follow an automated path. Right. Well, it wouldn't be even easier if you could get that router blade, the router bit down to the size of a laser beam. Well, I don't know, just put a laser beam in there. Um, and so you've got that whole progression that the laser really is the first thing where you don't have a cutting edge slicing the wood out. You're burning it. Mm -hmm. uh, well, other than, you know, historical burning crafts for artistical, artistic purposes on top or cutting out a canoe with a fire. It's, it's, a, it's a chisel. It's ablating the surface. You know, I mean, it's doing it by, you know, by yeah, it it's just not a sharp edge. Effectively ablating. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. routers, I mean, the router today, they were hand, they were hand planes 
use there were molding planes that, that would do what routers do today. That's what the origin of the, the router is. Yeah, exactly. Bingo. But, yeah, this is this one's interesting because this is a sash plane. Um, and so this is it's a molding plane, but it's got two halves, and each one of them is profiled to make the window sash. Um, and so you can spread these apart and make a wider window sash and bring them together and make them smaller. Um, I've actually seen people remake this one because there are people who want to redo window sashes the way they used to be done. But this has absolutely no modern use. Mm. Um, it's an interesting one because the people still make these, but I, you don't make windows <laughs> unless you do <laughs> historical reenactment. I, there isn't an idiot out there who would make their windows for their house with that when you could do yeah. your other ways. So, so, I mean, mm. lots of restoration, you know, lots of restoration, lots of hand tools, you know, color notwithstanding. Has have you have you ever been tempted to, or have you unintentionally or intentionally, you know, modified an old tool to make it quote unquote better? Oh yeah, um, and you'll you'll see this all the time throughout uh, antique tools. Is you'll find them being refit and reshaped to, to fit the maker's hand because every hand is different. Um, uh, here's a, uh, a saw. This is actually a modern Pax saw. Um, and I've completely reshaped the handle because the pack saws come are really big and bulky and a router just rounded them off and they're not very comfortable. But with, you know, 20 minutes to an hour worth of file work, you can get it down to something that's very comfortable, carved and shaped, and it fits my hand exactly. Uh, it's something that is very, very comfortable to use now. Uh, so there's a lot of hand modifications that are created. Um, but usually if, if you want something specific with hand tools, you just make it. Cool. So, I mean, apart from, I mean, apart from hand fit, you know, from the, I mean, it's a chisel, you know, I mean, is there anything, anything beyond that, you know, but beyond, you know, I mean, making a bit of fat that you've done that, that, that you go back and point out and go, yeah, I think it was a piece of crap kind of thing, but I twiddled this and I fiddled that. And do you know what? I really like it now. Not with antique ones, um, because no. if, if it was crap, it didn't exist. Um, either it, it was rusted and it needed to be restored and, and refixed, you know, repainted, cleaned up, and and, and sharpened. Painted blue, obviously. And painted blue, of course. <laughs> repainted blue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if, if it had a if it had a functional problem, it, it didn't carry around. Um, so All usually, right. if if there's something I needed specifically for a specific purpose, I'm going to make the tool to do that. Before we jump on, before we jump on to, to the, the, the questions directly from the audience, I've, I've got to ask. There's a there's a kind of a loaded question coming up. I might sit back from the screen here, right? So you know, are there any power tools that that James uses? And and if you were to take that idea, kind of thing, you know, I mean, you know, can you tell us are they better or is it just that you know they make them faster? I mean, there are no power know, tools in well, the shop. There are no <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this is uh, this is a, a, a demon controlled yellow brace. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I'm lifting up an 18 volt DeWalt. There's a 20 volt DeWalt. <laughs> it, it, it's funny that you just uh, picked that up because I was just just going to ask: Has there ever been a time where you're uh, soaring into something or drilling into something, and you thought, "Damn, I wish this had a plug." 
<laughs> but you know, I actually I have a uh, up in my garage. I have a table saw. I have a thickness planer. I, I have a handheld planer. I've got six routers. Um, I've got a jointer. Um, I have a, a, a vac system. Um, and for my personal projects that I don't shoot videos on, I'm I'm using them quite a bit. Um, if if, yeah. if I use it on a project, I'm working on a video. I show it, and you do occasionally will see. Um, power tools coming out. Most of the time it's because I've got a deadline to get this video out and uh, you know, I'm not going to spend another three hours cutting these boards. I'm just going to go run through the table saw. So. There's, a, there's, a, there's a few questions out there, but before I do that, these guys are going to give me a hard time, but I'm too old for peer pressure or bullying. But I want to <laughs> tell you, when I first started woodworking, I found your channel because how to sharpen a chisel and how to use a hand plane and all of that kind of stuff. That's how I found your uh, channel. I have CNC machine and all that stuff. I built a TARDIS and all the signs on it are made with a CNC machine and everything. But the top of it was was slanted and I couldn't figure out how to do it. So I grabbed a hand plane, I sharpened it and I shaped the whole top of that thing with a hand plane. And I was more proud of that than I was the whole thing. So <laughs> thank you very much for your videos and continue to do those. It, on that note, um one of the things about my channel that really confuses people is my channel is not about fine woodworking. My channel is not about historical woodworking. My channel is not even about hand tools. Uh, my channel is about how to have fun in the shop. Um, Cheers to because that. that is what a, a lot of people try to be perfectionistic. They try to be professional and we're starting to lose that enjoyment of let's just go to the shop and make some shavings have some and fun. there's something about hand tools that is very it's you get a, a proud moment that i did this with my hands i'm the one who pushed this thing and it feels good it, it that that's something you just don't get with power tools and that that's what the look at me i yeah. made this yes i like the fact that you got mrs right out there now uh forgive me is it sarah is it sarah name is yes yeah, yeah I, I did get it right. So, so um, Sarah, how much Sarah have, how I think I did get it right. Sarah, how much is the desk Sorry, Chris, go on. Sarah, along with everybody, all you other wonderful ladies who have birthed children, happy Mother's Day today here. I don't know if you guys are celebrating yeah. it in the UK oh, or yes. not. Exactly. But it, 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 it's Mother's today. Day in the, in, in the US, so James Teller, we <laughs> said happy happy Mother's Day, okay? Hey, come here. here. Speaking of which. I'm spying. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. I heard I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's watching, guys. So, so whisper, whisper quietly. You modified was your rocket to rocket-powered hand plane. Oh yeah, <laughs> I did do that. I, oh, I strapped yeah. rocket engines to a hand plane and made shavings with that. Uh, my powered hand tool. <laughs> my power That's up there. That's up there. That's definitely up there. That's Jake, definitely up there. Jake, I know you got some questions from the chat out there. I do. Um, one, 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 one final one for me, and then promise I'll shut up, kind of thing. So the question is, while she's out of earshot, how much is the discount that you take when you buy the tools to fix? How, how much do you discount the price when you're telling the wife how much they cost? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was the thing when I, when I first got into it, I did that a lot. But now that it's a business, it's like, oh well, this is a business expense now. So. Oh, all right. Oh, I, I see. I need to write that one down. Uh, right. <laughs> as soon as you can sell something, then it's like, oh well, I need this. I need this tool oh, to make that. And uh, that's, that's, that's why the that first mini me. projects I made were for my wife, so I could say, well, babe, mm -hmm. if you want that, um, I need this tool. I need this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. so Andy, 
<laughs> Andy had another question in the in the chat. He says, "Have you thought about writing a book on the use of hand tools and the history of them?" You know, I've thought about it, um, but I'm not uh, I'm not sufficiently knowledgeable on any particular aspect enough to write a book, at least that I that I can I can think of. Um, and I could write a boy a book about the joy of woodworking, but I don't know how many people would really want to buy that because it's not really a how to learn something. All right. The, the, uh, <laughs> the other question in the chat is from Benjamin. He says, Benjamin. do you ever pop? Yeah. Benjamin, Benjamin, there's a space in there, man. You pronounce your words, how you pronounce them. <laughs> I'll pronounce them how I pronounce them. Benjamin. Uh, yeah. So he says, uh, you ever, you ever pop down to local Walmart wearing your wooden clogs? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I, I wore them into Menards once. Menards is a, a local big box store. There we go. There we go. I'm glad oh, you read that. I have driven I'm my car. Don't, don't wear them to Walmart. <laughs> Somebody's going to take, take a picture of your feet and then it's going to become a meme and it's just not going to be funny. Um, so, so for the people out in the chat that haven't, uh, don't know about the clogs uh, that we were just talking about, on yeah. the fourth of March in 2017, James carved uh, s uh, some clogs um, for, as go, part right of a carving there. challenge. So go back and check that video out. They they, uh, they come out fantastic. I'm glad so. you read that question out, Jake, because what I'd got to do is I hadn't looked at it properly, and I go, "Do you ever go to Walmart and buy some pop tarts?" I mean, that's what I'd read. <laughs> <Isn't that clogs>? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's a it's a toss up because I, I my eyesight's not that good, and I I could have said something like that. <laughs> oh dear! That's it for the chat. Any other questions? Go ahead and put them in there, and I'll I'll get them to James here. Jim, I, you, I wonder if you could give me the the. Uh, and I'm a this isn't going to be a hard test, obviously, because I mean I'm not that smart to give you a hard one. Um, but let, let me go through just let me just go through a couple tools that I have in my shop, and maybe if you could tell me what the origin of that tool was, um, <laughs> if you don't mind, I mean, and, and bear with me because this is probably a be very in, in a factory in China. Oh no no well, hey look at that <laughs> no no I'm. Historically speaking, this term. God, you know what? I don't even like you. I, James, I, don't even like, I don't even like you anymore. But these guys, I mean, they're, they're, these guys are no fucking fun. Um, all right, James, let me let me start with the lathe. What was the lathe before the lathe is what we know it as today? Well, a, a power lathe would then step down to a flywheel lathe. So it's basically the same thing, except for your foot's running around a motor. And then you have a spring pole lathe, which is a rope wrapped around the cord. And so as you put the pedal down, it rotates correctly. And then as you lift the pedal up, it rotates back the opposite direction. So it's, it's, it's reversing. So 50% of the time you're cutting and 50% of the time you're not. It's an incredibly fun tool to use. Uh, it is not very efficient, but it's incredibly fun. Um, then you can take that back to the Egyptian lathe, which um, takes the lathe and stands it on end. And then they would put a bow on it and so the string we wrapped around the bow would go back and forth so it'd still be reciprocating um and so either you would have one person running it and another person working with the chisel or you'd have a really talented person holding the 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 chisel and running the bow um, and there are people who can do that which is really fascinating to watch 
if I'm not mistaken, I think wood turning was invented in uh, Egypt. That is the earliest we know of it. But that's the earliest we know of a lot of things because the desert's very good at pr uh, protecting and keeping them. Mm -hmm. yeah. It could have happened in could have happened in England, but it just rains too damn much in your country. That's right. Um, <laughs> Why away in the wood turners earlier holidays? <laughs> <laughs> All right, another another. Well, that was actually that was more in depth than I thought it was going to be. So thank you. Um, an easy one though. Okay, today's drill drill press. W what's the origin of that? <laughs> Lazy woodworkers. <laughs> well, okay, let me, let me back this up because this is this is actually um, one of the the key things that I'm I'm fascinated with is the difference between the hand tool mindset and the power tool mindset. Mm -hmm. If you are raised in power tools like I was, um, you always think about a jig first. You think about a way to hold the tool or hold the work so that the work can be done to it. Um, whereas the hand tool mindset is I take a chisel and I carve it. And if there's something faster than carving it, then I might employ that. Um, but most of I mean, that's like the, the hinge mortise or if I want to make a mortise for a hinge, I'm just going to carve it. But if I've got this tool that will take off that last shaving a little bit faster and cleaner, then I'm going to use that. But even this is then starting into that power tool mindset because it's a jig that holds the chisel rather than just the chisel being there. Um, gotcha. And I was actually just in um, Williamsburg, Virginia, in Colonial Williamsburg, talking to the guys there just this last weekend. And it's one of these fascinating things that if you have a power tool mindset, your, your mindset is how do I make a jig to hold the tool to guarantee accuracy? Mm -hmm. And the skill then becomes in either making the jig or setting up the jig. Whereas mm -hmm. in the hand tool mindset, it is, I don't want a jig. I just want to grab a chisel. I just want to grab a saw and remove material. And in that case, the skill is actually in the manipulation of the tool. And so there, there's, a, there's a mindset difference there that it's kind of hard to see um, because it's a, it's a very gray area. At, at what point, you know, is a plane, a jig holding a chisel? Um, and it's it's a fascinating thing to me to actually see that. It, and so it, when you get to a drill press, sorry, what's that? Go ahead. No, no. The, uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm assuming the root answer to your question is going to be the drill press actually came from a brace. Um, but I mean, well, no, I, the the drill press actually came out of the metalworking industry um, because in metalworking you're drilling very slowly through material, and if you have a brace, you introduce a lot of wobble. And gotcha. because you're drilling slowly, it's hard to start the bit. It's hard to get it going accurately. Um, and so you end up with a, an enlarged hole at the top until the bit eventually bites enough that it starts drilling straight. Whereas with a drill bit, it's a jig that holds the drill in place. Um, and so the predecessor to it is actually um, called a post drill. And it was almost exclusively in metal shops. And it was a, a hand-cranked drill basically that ran just like a drill press and every rotation of the crank it would lower the bit you know 64th or 100th of an inch or some fine small amount and so you just crank and crank and crank and it would turn the bit while slowly lowering it um, and then the back the the step before that is the egg beater drill where you have the crank on the side of the drill that's turning and so uh, oh the, i remember those yeah the yeah, the uh, what's the, word? the post drill is basically an egg beater drill, except for it's on a jig to hold it vertical and keep it straight. 
And then, of course, then before that, you have the brace, which is, I, I guess you can take it back one farther and go to a gimlet, which is basically a drill bit you hold in your hand and you turn with your wrist. Which, like a screwdriver. No, 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 that's never that's happening. That was a wind down, mate. That's, well, yeah. that's never happening. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to spend six hours to drill one hole. Um, <laughs> but that, but that, that's, but that, 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 uh, that egg blender you're talking about, that, that's kind of the same. Um, it's somewhere in that, in that story, it relates to the same story with, with like a, a drill driver, because there were those, remember those, those screwdrivers, I'll give you back story, but my grandfather was a machinist. Um, and he was a machinist back in the early 1900s. And he used to make those drills, you know, the pulled out that had the spiral end on it. Right. And then you push in and it would, it would, it would turn, you pull it back out and it would turn as you pushed in. Yankee um, and drill. so that's, that's, yeah. Th yeah. What are they called? Yankee, Yankee drill. That's oh, yeah, yeah, the Yankee screwdriver drill thing. Right. I mean, so I'm guessing that would be kind of along the same lines when you look at a, today's drill driver. It's it that would be what prior that would be prior to today's drill driver. But before that, it would have been, um, you know, like you just said, the, the brace and things of that nature. See, that's kind of an interesting thing because Yankee drills aren't drills; they're drivers. No, they're not. They're, they're, drivers. they're designed to put a bit in to put a screw in. Yeah. Um. Uh, they they almost were never used to drill a hole. I, I, there are people who have modified them to do that, but mostly they were a driver. Whereas the first drills, the first electric drills, were basically just used for drilling holes. And it was actually not until the eh, late 70s, early 80s, that people started putting driver bits in them. Gotcha. Hmm. Wow. What about a, what about a bandsaw? What about a bandsaw? <laughs> um, well, that's that. That's uh, th um, yeah. That, that's that came about the same about the same time as a, a circular saw. Um, mm -hmm. It was the same adaptation of it, it's that that link between the linear movement of the saw mm -hmm. and the circular movement of the motor. If you're used to doing a linear movement, well, it's easy to think about. I wish. My saw would go farther. I need a longer saw. Well, what if I make this saw infinite and just have it going around in a loop? And gotcha. so you start to see those come out in the what, 1880s, 1890s. Miter saw. Hmm. Well, I mean, miter saw, those were around since Egyptian days. Um, it's, it's basically a box that holds the saw at an angle, and you can cut at precisely that angle. And they get more and more fancy up until someone decides to put a circular saw on top of it. So somebody adapted the table saw to the motor, to the motor state, basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, Love, Angel, Love Angel had a question about drills, and it had to do with uh, bookmaking. I would imagine that'd be more of a punch than a drill going through several pieces of paper, but no, any thoughts you would, on that? You'd use a drill if you're doing a, um, um, a hand-woven binding. Um, you'd put it all together and drill through it all because you don't want to punch through a significant. What kind of? Her question was, "What what kind of drill or what? How would you do that?" Depends on the time range, um, but pretty much anything uh, from a simple brace to a gimlet to an egg beater drill. Um, each that, that's one of the interesting things with. If someone says, "What's the what is the the historical way to do this?" Or what is the uh, um, what is the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? historical um traditional what's the traditional way to do this and then i have to ask what tradition because in 
every location, there's a whole history of different traditions that occurred over different period, time periods and different people. Um, and so you start looking at like New England woodworkers in the 18th century, there were five or six different traditions that were concurrently going on in different places throughout New England. Um, and so there is no traditional way to do it. You know, how would you have drilled through a book? Well, there are hundreds of different ways that it would have done. <laughs> James, have you ever visited one of those, um, and the kind of tourist attractions, the, the, uh, the, the old villages where everybody's, uh, everybody who works there is dressed up in the motif of the, yeah. of the era. And then you actually have the craftsmen that are using the tools and things up that, that are of that era. Have you ever visited one of those places? That, uh, that's what I was talking about with uh, Colonial Williamsburg. That was at just this last weekend. Mm -hmm. um, and that Colonial Williamsburg is, is a step above just the reenactment um, because there is a cabinet shop there, the, the Hay Cabinet Shop. And um, the whole purpose of that is, is, is studying historical pieces. So they'll bring in a historical piece and break it apart and look at the tool marks on it and say, how did this craftsman make this? What tools did he use to make this? And then duplicate it, trying to use those same techniques. Um, and so there's, there's, you know, five or six guys there or people, there's a woman, um, which wasn't historical, <laughs> um, but they're, they're actually actively studying how it was done in different times and, and different, uh, different places. And so it was fascinating to pick their brains and actually talk through what they do. There you go. So I, I saw a um, I saw a TV show uh, quite a while ago about old tools and and such and different ways of running them. There was there was of course water that they used to run an old sawmill and, uh, and it was all connected up. And there was table saws and routers and mm -hmm. all connected to a big flywheel and that was running off the water. But I saw once that they used um, like donkeys and horses and all that sort of stuff to to run. Mm -hmm. uh, um, saws that, that that was kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I, I, shops and the belt shops are incredible. There's actually yeah. one not too far from me that's a machine shop, and it's run off of a water wheel. Um, mm. And so they have a uh, 16 foot machining lathe run off of this water wheel, um, as well as all the other machining, um, like a bridge basically that's run off of a water wheel. Nice, nice. Yeah, you, you see these big, great big leather belts that are about a foot wide. Yeah, <laughs> running run, run these machines is just unbelievable. So. Yeah, if you ever wanted to to think through the historical transition from power tools to hand tools, it is a a, a fascinating subject. I don't know if you guys have time for that, but yeah, no, we've got plenty of time. Yeah, yeah, we've got go. Time. Right. Well, if you go back to like the eighteen eighties. Um, that was the the start of the industrial revolution for um, general woodworking and, and, and cabinetry. Um, and you start to see all sorts of weird, weird contraptions. Um, and uh, you, you see um, crescent and peg um, joinery for dovetails and things like that starting to come out. Um, what's the other name for that? Um, ja, ja, I can't remember. Um, but from that point on, you start seeing a lot more machines coming in, but you still, hand tools are predominant. Hand tools are what gets the work done. The machines just get things close to it. And up until about World War II, when everything really becomes mechanical. And in World War II, there were huge drives for scrap metal. 
And a lot of the old foot-powered machines were huge, beefy metal monstrosities that were getting replaced with lighter, faster machines. And so a lot of these foot power things were scrapped out because they weren't used as much. And that, that kind of sped on the, the power tool thing. Well, up until that point, there really wasn't such a thing as a hobby woodworker. Uh, you did it for a job or you didn't. Right? There, there were hobby woodworkers, but they were really weird and very rare. Um, yeah, there's some actually interesting things like 1600s um, hobby turners that came in the higher echelon of, of uh, the, the people. Well, my father, um, I can only tell you, I can only, I can only base it on my father's experience. My father um, was actually in the service at the tail end of World War II. Um, but both he and his and and, and his next um, youngest brother, my father was the oldest. They both they they both learned woodworking in school. Yeah, but but they, but the, 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 but their education in woodworking ended with school. But my dad told me he says no, but they I, I spent four years in woodshop. Yeah. You know, well, so they spent time learning it. They just never actually used it as a profession. Yeah. And that, 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 that's, that's a fascinating thing because from like uh, 1800 until World War II, shop was pretty much mandatory for every boy. Um, and mm. most of what we consider high school now is getting ready for college. Back then, high school was the trades. Mm -hmm. You learned trades and you might learn multiple different ones so you can kind of see what works for you. Um, and at the end of World War II, you got a lot of people coming home with some extra time on their hands, and you started to get this class of hobby woodworkers. There were people who learned those shop trades, and they, you know, they found that it was kind of fun. And with the price of machine tools coming down, they could start to get these really functional shops. Um, and so from that point on, you start to see the hobby woodworker going concurrently with the professional woodworker as tools evolved the hobbyist and the professional were pretty similar. Um, and that carried through until around the 80s. And you'll, you'll see a couple journals where you'll have someone um, talking about, yeah, I flattened this board and they'll be talking through it and they say, well, you'll have to pardon me. I just used a hand plane to flatten it rather than using the, the surfacer. <laughs> um, because it was, it was kind of like the, the old school, you just fell back on what you knew using a hand plane. Um, and, but the, the interesting thing is around the 80s to the 90s, you start to see this divergence between um, professional woodworkers and hobbyists, mm -hmm. where you have professionals who become quick and efficient and start to use cheaper quality things. And um, the hobbyist can't afford those high-end, really big machines to do the professional um, speed. Right. And so there starts to be a variance there, but they're still both very solidly power tool. Until around um, late 90s, early 2000s, you see a renaissance of people who are like, you know, I'm doing hand tools. I'm doing woodworking, but I'm really not enjoying this because I'm using this power equipment that is fast and it's efficient and gets things done. But I, I just, I'm doing computer work for my work. I want to do something that's manual. And you start to see people picking up those hand tools again. <laughs> and now we're it's... kind of splitting and going back full circle. And there's a lot of people just wanting to do things manually because at work they do things with a computer. And all the power tools are turning into computers. Well, James, we have another, we have another question from the chat. And I'll, I'll reserve that for Jake. But And let me ask you this question. Do you think that now it's more of a um, – what you were just describing is more of a therapy 
for people oh, to yes. get up. Yeah, very, very okay. much so. Yeah. Well, have you um, have you ever heard of the um, the Purple Heart Project uh, put on by Rob Cosman? No. Um, yes. The Purple Heart Project is um, a, a project he does to help veterans um, who have um, who've had all sorts of problems, whether it be you know physical problems, mental problems from the service. And he brings them in and gives them an entire week of training in his shop um, or wherever they happen to have the, the, the session, um, gives them a full set of tools. And there's a group of guys out there making benches and other tools to give to them. So when they leave the shop, they have a full shop of tools as well as regular ongoing classes. And they use this as a therapy for, um, for rehabilitating uh, veterans. Um, incredible project. No, I think nice. that's awesome. But I was talking more about the, um, and that's great, because um, this is how I was when I when I was working. I was working um, a seven to seven job, and I was in the technical, uh, well, a, a somewhat te technical field. Um, but when I came home on the weekends, I, w I went out to my shop as a sort of brain therapy. Just I need to get yeah. out of that world, and I need to get into a different world. And so people, my question was, would, would you think people are out there doing that by hand now as kind oh, of yeah. a mental mental release? Okay, well, Jake, yeah, I know you I, had a I'll, question. I'll know people who, who go out to the shop and won't make anything. They'll just run a plane over board and make <laughs> curls because there's something that's just so rewarding about seeing those amazing curls coming off that the curl itself is the whole purpose, and mm -hmm. it's very therapeutic. Uh, ben Jammin, I just like saying Jammin, by the way. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you ever think they'll reach a point where the metals used in planer blades will be so good you just replace it instead of sharpen it, kind of like uh, carbides for turning? Um, yes. Um, well, in, in plane blades, not so much. Um, and and there's, there's a big variance there because there are people like me. I love to sharpen. I enjoy that part of it. Um, so getting a really resilient, hardworking blade um, doesn't really hold that much appeal to me. <laughs> but there, <laughs> there's something very different about the high-speed work that you get with turning and the high-speed work you get with power tools where carbides really become useful. Um, getting a carbide on a plane does not last as long as a carbide on a power tool because it's not being heated up. Um, and it's it's a very interesting thing is that the, the carbides will last longer than the steel on a hand plane, but they still dull out far quicker on a hand tool than they do on a power tool. And one of the other reasons for that is because you can have a dull tool in a power tool and it still works. But if you put a dull tool on a hand plane, it doesn't work. Gotcha. Uh, you've got to have it far, far sharper for it to do its work. All right, well... Um... <clears throat> God, you're, you're a wealth of knowledge. And James, uh, at some point in time, we, we would love to have you back on with us because we'd like to do a spotlight on you and talk about your journey and, and where, where you've gone and all that kind of good fun stuff. But uh, unfortunately, there's a segment in the show where Jamie has to, we have to let Jamie's, uh, knock on wood, today's J Jamie's choir sing. Jimmy, you have the choir queued up, ready to go? Uh, I've got it queued up. I need to know more about this rocket plane this time we have James on. Uh, yeah, yeah, we need to have James on again. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. And James, would you be agreeable to come back on with us? Oh, yeah, anytime. This is All fun. right, cool. Awesome. Rock and roll. Jamie, go. please, right, let, please right let the there. choir sing and not you. I'll, I'll get this lined up then. Right, here we go. Jamie's page. 
That's so much better. So oh much my better. god! I, didn't, I don't have to take my headphones off for that one. That's just so. so Auto oh tuned to perfection. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, what have we got for this week? Um, not really that uh, all that much, to be honest. Um, as people have probably seen around social media. Uh, this past week, no one really knows if Make Essentials going ahead or whether you decide to go or not. No, uh, only you know that right now. But should you do want to go, um, there's £20 off at checkout. Um, if you want to get your stickers via us, um, we do get a little bit of kickback, um, from it. Uh, so for more information on that, you go to magazinesnationalpodcast.com forward slash stickers. <laughs> And uh, you can get, like I say, £20 off at checkout. Um, so there's that. Um, of course, I've got a premiere coming up in 37 <laughs> minutes. A <laughs> uh, bit, bit of a plug going on there. So uh, we'll do that. So on to, uh, we'll go on to my shout-out. So my shout-out. <laughs> Um, this week goes to Pask Makes. He uh, he actually made a scraper plane and all of the hardware, um, and a lot of it was made out of uh, a lot of it was made out of wood. And uh, it's part of his uh, scrap wood challenge, which is arguably one of the best intros I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> when you go scrap wood challenge, you know what I'm talking about. You got to hear it for yourself. But it's awesome. Uh, it's a bit of a lengthy video, but it's well worth the watch. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy just had to sing, didn't he? He had to sing something. <laughs> yeah. I didn't sing all of it, so I've been nice to you. He oh, stuck it in there. Good job. So, Good job. Uh, so there's uh, there's that. So yeah, that's my channel. So obviously, James, you being the guest, uh, have you got any shout outs for us this week? Yeah, I've got to give a shout out to uh, Maker Two Three Eight. That last name. Deloach. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. He uh, honestly, I think he is one of the the next big up and coming YouTube people, and I, I really like watching his stuff. Um, he has a, a very interesting flair and a lot of fun. Awesome. Maker two three eight. He's he's currently <laughs> making a pool out of a dumpster. Yep. Okay. Yes, he is. He is indeed. But I mean, you, you, you can't let that go without talking about the, the beard. The beard is a moment. Yes. You know? yes. <laughs> um, um, shall I do mine? Yes, go for it. I'll do, I'll do mine, shall I? So uh, tonight's is, is Sculpty Works. Um, and they were making a Tiffany lamp, um, a fox-themed Tiffany lamp uh, for Mother's Day. Now, this is a full-on Tiffany lamp, you know, cut from glass, um, leaded, put together. I mean, a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. A lot of work, very dangerous in some respects. If anyone's ever worked with glass and had to shape it. Um, so go check them out. He normally does a lot of work with violins, and it's quite a, a mixed bag on the channel, but go check this out. The, the end result was beautiful. Really, really worth looking at. Name of the channel again, Dale? Sculpty Works. Sculpty Works. Uh, links for everything is down in the description today, folks, if you're interested, so... We'll check that out. Jake, what about you? I got Pam Harris of Highland Boxes. Um, she's one oh. of the ones that when I first started doing resin casting, she was one of the ones I learned everything from. I was able to meet her last year or the year before in Maker Central. It's 
up in the air of whether that's going to happen again. So she was on a chat the other day, and I was so happy to see her. So Pam Harris. Awesome. Highland, Highland Boxes is the name of her channel, right? Yeah. Um, well, since you went back to your roots, I'll go back to my, my shout-out. Because my this is the gentleman who got me started on YouTube because he helped me learn how. Um, uh, Mr. Sterling Davis <laughs> put out a video back on Friday, I think. And true, true to form for him, he built himself a spirit shelf which had nothing to do with the almighty if i might <laughs> if i might go ahead and let you know that um uh, a different sort of spirit a different sort of spirit if you if you catch my meaning <laughs> anyway uh sterling it, it was actually a pretty cool ability to do. it was you know wrought iron and wood and it was hey you know whatever sterling uh i love you uh we all love you um and if you haven't had a chance i think you put that video on last friday so go check out sterling davis he is one seriously fun guy. Oh, he's a great dude. <laughs> Big time. He's doing Big time. he's doing TikToks with rappers, man. He's in there. Yeah, he's he's doing good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, there there was actually one thing I did actually uh, forget Game for. Uh, and that was uh the virtual craft festival um that is back uh, uh, once again on the 29th of may uh 16 hours of makers throughout the day uh starting from 10 a.m in the uk right the way through uh for 16 hours and it ends um carl jacobson's channel um, so yeah, we've got all sorts of people on there from potters to resin artists, to scroll sawers, to turners, to cooks. all sorts of stuff. Cooks. Yeah. <laughs> cooks and Franco. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, Franco. I don't know Sorry. these people. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, just keep that down in your diaries. Uh, James will have to talk about getting you on there one day. Sir, sounds like uh, if you're up for it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, I think that's it for for today's shows, boys. So um, let me quickly get my, is my mouse. I think my batteries run out of my mouse. <laughs> All right, there it is. It is working again. Right. So uh, until next week, when we will be talking about the uh, All Gear No Idea uh, episode. Um, if you don't know what that's about, you'll have to come and join us next week to find out. Um, so yeah, until next week, um, we'll see you guys. Uh, see you guys next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, y'all be good. Bye. See you around.